Uh, this weekend, we celebrate uh, Memorial, Memorial Day. Uh, we don't celebrate it so we can have an excuse to uh, go to the lake and hang out. We don't celebrate it just so we'll have another uh, reason to spend the day at the lake and or barbecue with the family, uh, to invite friends over. More than a day to celebrate, it's meant for us to pause and remember. Remember the lives that were given, the people that put their lives on the line so that we could live the life that we live. Amen? Uh, and with that being said, here, here's what I'm absolutely sure of. Which let me let me take a moment one to welcome because we got a lot of new faces. Uh, but welcome those online. But here's what I'm sure of: that there is a life that we were meant to live in Christ. I'm absolutely sure and convinced that there is a freedom we were meant to walk in in Christ. Amen? Yeah. Any, anybody else, now before you answer this question, any, anybody else just long to be free? And, and when I ask that, here's what I'm asking. Anybody long to be free from guilt, shame, insecurities, feelings of not being good enough? Anybody long to be free from a sin, a habit, an addiction? Anybody long to be break free from hurts or bitterness or unforgiveness that life has brought? Depression, anxiety, worry. What about anybody long to be free from food? We'll talk about that in a minute. Free from whatever it is that keeps you prisoner. Because I know we, we laugh about food because that's the sin that's acceptable in the church. I'm not, I'm just going to, let's move on. Like, yeah, go on, go on. But here's the thing. We even may break free from a little while, but given enough time, it raises its ugly head. Are you with me? As a pastor, if I'm being honest, I'm just going to tell you, there are things in my life I want to be free from. There are things in my life that I wrestle with daily or weekly that I want to be free from. Now, if you thought the pastors uh, were supposed to be the have it all together, uh, per listen, this church drew the short straw. You did not get that. Uh, I, I've got these things. Well, if you've got a Bible, turn with me to John chapter 8. If not, I'm going to bring it up on the screen. But in John 8, Jesus is having this conversation uh, with these Pharisees, with these religious leaders, the spiritually elite, if you will. He's having this conversation, and, and he says something to them that causes them to get very defensive uh, with him. A anybody ever done that, you know, um, or know somebody, but that time that somebody says something to you about something you said or did, or so, and, and you get really defensive about it? Yeah, no, no. Well, let's, let's all pray for the liars in the house. Let's... Uh, that you, here's what we like to do uh, in, in the church world or in, in this culture. You, you bring up somebody, what they're doing or how it may not be right or the way they're living. Hey, hey, the Bible says don't judge. Which, we can talk about this at a later time, 
that gets taken out of context so bad. So bad. Uh, but we, that's not what we're about talking about today. But it, it usually happens because we get defeated because we know it's something we're really dealing with. And so we, we, so we prefer not to talk about it. Anyway, Jesus says something to this group of Pharisees, these religious leaders. And it's a scripture that some of you may be familiar with. And when they pull it up, I want, they, it's a, I want you to read this with me. You ready? You will know... Th- The moment Jesus says, you need to be set free, they get defensive. They can't believe that Jesus would even suggest that somebody of their likes need to be free from anything. So this is how they respond. Verse 33, we're descendants of Abraham. We have never been anybody's slave. What do you mean then by saying you will be set free? If you know anything about the history of Israel, you know what a ridiculous statement that they're making to Jesus is. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But here's what I'm telling you. If you're taking notes, two of the biggest obstacles between you and freedom is this, pride and denial. Pride and denial. See, what this group of uh, Pharisees, these religious leaders, they thought freedom was their good name, their prestige, who they were, their ethnicity, uh, political affiliation. And, And we're not that different because here we'll say, listen, I'm free. I was born in the good old U.S. of A. And so we relate that to freedom. But Jesus was telling them, and he's telling us, listen, you can live in a great country. You can come from a great family. You can have great social standing. You can have all these things and still end up a slave. Come on. Look at their response again. We're descendants of Abraham, and we have never been anybody's slave. What do you mean you will be free? When I read that, I think Jesus had to just kind of go... Really? You, you've never been anybody's slave. That, that, that's, that's what you're going with, guys. Because when you look at their history, they have been enslaved uh, to Egypt for 430 years when Moses led them out of Egypt. You look at Judges, the book of Judges, and all through up to the first century, they were slaves. And even when they made this statement saying, we're not slaves, they were under the rule of the Roman Empire. And they're like, what, what, what's their two big obstacles here? Pride and denial. Pride and denial. Anybody ever know anybody like that? Come on. Everybody else can see it's a problem, but them. They'll say, I've heard this on more than one occasion. Hey, listen, it's not a problem for me. I can stop anytime I want to. It may be an issue for them, but come on. It's not an issue for me. Pride and denial. And and they ask Jesus, what do you mean you will be set free? Here's the problem. Their definition of freedom was different than Jesus' definition of freedom. Uh, they, they were thinking, Jesus, Jesus wasn't talking about their slavery in Egypt throughout Judges or even now. Here's what Jesus is saying. Look at verse 34. Jesus said to them, I'm telling you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Everyone. Now, I'm not going to ask who all has sinned this week. 
or today or in the past 10 minutes because I don't want to wear your arms out, raising them up and down. But when Jesus said slave, the word he used there, zdulas. And here's what they knew. They knew that word meant it was a bond servant. It was the lowest form of slave you could be in the house. It was the slaves that were in chains. And Jesus tell them, you are doulos. You are slaves literally and spiritually. And here's a spoiler alert. So are you. And so am I. God bless. Have a great day. Um, We don't like to think that about ourselves, do we? Especially if you grew up in a church environment. We don't like to think of ourselves as slaves. We don't like to think that there's something that has this dominating force over us. That even though we know we shouldn't do it, it's got this force over us that we still do it. Come on. I know I'm preaching to the right people. I mean, both Peter and Paul talk about this. Second Peter 2.19, Peter says, For you are a slave to whatever controls you. Paul said this in Romans 6.16. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Well, PK, I'm no slave. You, absolutely you are. How do you know that, Kelly? Here's what I know. Now, I'm, I'm speaking to myself, so don't get offended too much. Uh, if we weren't slaves to anything, most of us would be 20 to 50 pounds lighter than what we are right now. I'm just going to let it sit there for a moment. If we weren't slaves to anything, most of us would be better off financially. If we weren't, boy, this is so good, so encouraging today. Thank you, Pastor Kelly. If we weren't slaves to anything, we wouldn't be posting on our social media sites and checking it every minute or two to see how many likes we got or if anybody shared it or if anybody made any comments on it. So for us to say we're not slaves to anything is as ridiculous as when they looked at Jesus and said, what do you mean we're not slaves? According to Jesus, Peter and Paul, no, not that's not a singing group. Uh, according to them, that went over better this service, didn't it? Yeah. I think 9 a.m. was asleep. Um, but according to them, every one of us, every person that's born is doulos, a slave of sin. And get this, the only way to change that is to die. To die. See, see uh, I believe there are three things that we become slaves to. I know there's more, but I believe these are the three that have a way of creeping in and keeping us in bondage. The first one is this. We are slaves to our past, the things we've done. If we allow it, our history, our past will become chains on us. I, I'm gonna be, I struggle with this at times. There are times I deal with shame and guilt from my past. Come on, anybody else? Yeah. The Apostle Paul struggled with it. Before, you know, when he was the artist formerly known as Saul. Um, 
I mean, think, think about the, what he had to go through. Here he is now preaching the good news now. Don't tell me there weren't times that he didn't think about the persecution he did to God's people. The time, don't tell me he'd ever thought about the time that he was personally responsible for the stoning of Stephen. Well, how do you know that? Well, when you look at the scripture, it says those that were stoning Stephen, they laid their coats at Saul's feet. Well, here's what, what would happen. If you, the, you would lay, if you were about to lay down the gauntlet, about to lay down whatever the punishment was, you would take your coat, those were about to do the punishment, and lay your coat at the feet of whoever brought the allegations. And it says they laid them at Saul's feet. So don't tell me there weren't times that Paul had to deal with his past and think about what he had done. And I believe that's why he wrote in Philippians, hey, I leave those things behind me and I strain toward what's new. I have to leave those things in the past. Because Paul is like, if I allow it, my past will put chains on me and keep me from walking in the freedom that I was intended to walk in. The second thing we're slaves to. We're slaves to our hurts, things that have been done to us. The Israelites were slaves to Egypt for 430 years. Get this, not because of anything they had done. Anybody remember Joseph, coat of many colors, Joseph? Really quick, this is your one-minute uh, rundown of it. You know, he, he was sold into slavery by his brothers, uh, then he was falsely accused of rape, uh, thrown into prison. There, and, and here's what's so funny. When you read that story, every time it says that the Lord was with him, I was like, uh, Lord, can you go be with somebody else? Because uh, uh, this is not looking good right now. Uh, but every time, and he was sold into slavery. Well, then the king has, the Pharaoh, the king has this dream, uh, and he can't figure it out. Well, somebody remembers, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this guy in prison that I remember that, that, that was able to interpret dreams. They call him out, of course. He interprets the dream. It's correct. He gets placed in this position where the only one that was more powerful than him was the king and the Pharaoh at the time. Well, he ends up saving uh, Egypt and the surrounding people and gains great favor. So the Israelites move in there to Egypt. Well, they begin to grow and grow. And Joseph dies. The Pharaoh that they had favor with dies. And now you've got all these Israelites that are growing. I mean, they are multiplying like rabbits. It's going on. It's on like Donkey Kong. I mean, everything. And they're like, listen, if they keep up... Keep this up. They're going to be more powerful than us. We've got to do something. So they put them in slavery. And it was brutal. I mean, it was cruel. It was painful. And it was nothing, it was nothing that they had done to deserve it. And the reason I say that is because there's some of you that can relate to that all too well. You were hurt, abused, misused. No fault of your own. And those thoughts, those memories, that pain and hurt have kept you locked in chains for way too long. Kelly, how, how, how do you know that there are people like that here? It's estimated. There are, more, there are 60 million plus survivors of childhood sexual abuse in America today. 60 million. 16% of boys before they turn 18 will be sexually abused. 
25% of girls. More than 2 million cases of child abuse or neglect are reported in the U.S. each year. And here's one of the most devastating statistics. Only 10% of the abuse comes from strangers. That means 90% of child abuse, sexual abuse, comes from family members, trusted friends, people that should have had their back. So with statistics like that, I know there are those in this room or watching online that know exactly the hurt that I'm talking about. Some of you, those wounds are still very fresh. In fact, some of you are come to church, and the reason you come to church is because it's the only place you feel safe. And there are others. You have soul wounds that we talked about a few weeks ago. And those soul wounds have kept you chained up for 10, 15, 20, 30 years because you believed in the, the lie of the enemy about what happened to you, why it happened to you, how you deserve and you've still been believing those lies. If that's you, listen to me, there is freedom. You do not have to continue to live in that. The third thing we get enslaved to, our habits, the things we continually, willfully do. In Jeremiah 2, Israel has pretty much walked away from God. And God begins to speak to them about their abandonment. Verse 13, Jeremiah 2. For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water. And here's the second thing. They have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. They walked away from the living water. And they've built for themselves these cisterns that they're trying to fill with something besides me. Those cracked cisterns. And that, those are the sins, the things that we do over and over that we're trying to fill. But it keeps leaking out. They enslave us. And if you don't think that we're enslaved here in America, you're in denial. 40 million U.S. adults, adults regularly, 40 million U.S. adults regularly visit Internet porn sites. 10%, and I think this is low, of U.S. adults admit to being addicted to porn. 17% of all women say they struggle with porn addiction. 20% of men and 13% of women admit to accessing, assessing porn while they're at work. The porn industry makes more money in a year than Microsoft, Apple, Google, Amazon, eBay, Yahoo, and Netflix combined. What are we enslaved to? What do you mean we need to be set free? Among America, more than half of U.S. adults have a close family member who is or has been an alcoholic. 10% of Americans meet the criteria for alcoholism. Among Americans 12 and older, 31.9 million are currently illegal drug users. 53 million ages 12 and over have used illegal drugs or misused prescription drugs over the past year. 
And this was the CDC report of this last year, November 17th, 2021. Drug overdose deaths in the U.S. have topped 100,000 annually. Yeah, we're not enslaved to anything. Those are just the addictions we highlight. Come on, are you hearing me? Those are the things we highlight. You, you want to talk, the, the addictions that, that really permeate our, our church culture? Go check out the obesity rate. But we don't like to classify that as an addiction. But yet it controls us. It tells us what to do. I mean, one, one website said there are no, uh, lists no fewer than 28 varieties of addiction that like food, shopping, sugar, gambling, video games. And here's the thing I know about addiction. Addiction defies all logic. It doesn't even make sense. You know what you, you know you're going to regret doing it. You know what the trouble it could cause you, yet you do it. Some of you know all this, this all too well. You've been struggling with something that's gotten out of control. You want to be free, but it just keeps coming back. And maybe some of you say, well, I don't struggle with addiction or any of those things like that, Kelly, with habits or chronic sins. But you've got some other things that are sabotaging your life and your family's life and those closest to you. Maybe it's anger. It controls and sends you over the edge, causes you to say things to people you love that hurts them and cuts them to the core. Maybe it's worry and anxiety. It's out of control in your life, and you worry about anything and everything. Get this. One in ten adults are diagnosed with clinical depression every year. And maybe you've never wrestled with that, but from someone speaking with experience, Depression is a horrible slave driver. And maybe I didn't answer your name, your issue. Maybe you've not experienced any of the things I just mentioned. Maybe you've never really been hurt or betrayed by someone that you trusted. Maybe you've never battled addiction. Maybe you don't have any sins that you struggle with or hang-ups. Maybe you've never wrestled with depression or anger or anything else. If that's the case, you should stand and we will all bow to you and worship you. Or maybe you should just accept you're a, a big liar. Or your pride and denial. Because I have a hard time believing anyone in this room is that perfect. The fact is we all have something that we are enslaved to. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news. But the fact is everyone in this room sins. John 8, 34, Jesus said, anyone who sins is a slave. Right after that, he follows it up with this, verse 35. A slave is not a permanent member of the family. A slave is not a permanent member of the family. But what is a part of the family forever? What? A son. Jesus saying, hey guys, you know this. The only person in a household that has permanent rights is not a slave. It's a son. Okay, and when the master is done with that slave, listen, they're out of the house. It's over. But a son? They've got rights forever. So, 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 Kelly, what is the answer then? It's simple. Stop being a slave and become a son or daughter.
Anybody want to know how to do that? Look what Jesus said, or look what John said in John 1, 12. But to all who did what? And he gave the right to become sons, daughters, children of God. Jesus looked at this group of Dulos slaves said, would you like to get rid of your chains? Would you like to be free? Would you like to go from being a doulos to, to a son or a daughter of God? Because I'm here to tell you, you can do exactly that. God has a plan. What God wants to do is adopt you into his family, his own. And when you're a son, when you're a daughter, when you're a child of God, guess what? You get all the rights that come with that. And you become free. Free. John 8.36, Jesus follows up his line when he's talking to them about that. He said, if the Son set you free, you're really free. Another verse says you're free indeed. Anybody notice the spelling of Son? The capital, S-O-N. Capital. If the capital S-O-N sets you free. Jesus knew this, and so did they. The only person that had the right to set a slave free was either the father or the son of that house. And Jesus said, hey, hey, if the capital S-O-N sets you free, I don't care what anybody else says about you. You're free. You're free. I'm telling you, Jesus said, like, guys, if you ever get tired of wearing all the religious masks, if you ever get real about who you are and the state and the condition you're in, if you ever get sick and tired of all this, I'm here to tell you, when you get to that place, there is hope because the capital S-O-N has come to set you free. You know what's even more, what's even greater than being set free from being a slave? Adoption. Adoption into the family. And that's what Jesus says, I want to do for you. We understand this important fact, guys, because we've gotten it wrong. Freedom isn't the absence of something. Freedom is the presence of someone. See, most people, when they talk about freedom, they think, if I could just quit this, if I could just stop doing this, if I could quit saying this, if I could do all that, and we think it's all in that, but freedom isn't the absence of something. It is the presence of someone. That's why Jesus said in John 8, 32, you will know the truth, the truth will set you free. In verse 36, if the Son sets you free, you're free. 2 Corinthians three seventeen. now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's freedom. See, when it comes to freedom, we need a new definition of freedom. Because how you define something determines how you relate to that word. I mean, I'm free to do whatever I want to do. I'm free. I can do this. I can go here. I can do whatever I want. But here's the definition of freedom that Jesus is talking about. And if we want to walk in freedom, this has got to become our definition. Freedom is the ability to act or react in life as the person I was created to be. That's freedom. 
Freedom is never about your outward circumstance. Freedom is what is that situation you're in? How are you going to act? How are you going to respond? And when you get to that place and where you're created to be, you act and react, then no matter what comes your way, you can walk away from that without any shame, any guilt, any feelings of regret because you've learned to act and react in life as the person you were created to be. Hmm. So how do I get free? I'm glad you asked. Give you two steps. There's more than this, but for the sake of time, and I've got family coming to the house for cookout, and I'm hungry. So, whew. Ah. Listen. Listen. Uh, never mind. I, was to, <laughs> I thought I was a comedian. I started to wear my heckler out, but I said, remember, you're a preacher, Kelly. Be nice. So, no, you're right. Here's the, here's the first thing we got to do. We want freedom. Shift your focus. What I seek first will prioritize every other area in my life. Shift your focus. We all, my, my brother Chris, I, I remember Chris was telling me about this young man. He was, he was new to the faith. He had just gotten saved, and he was excited. He told my brother Chris, he said, hey, man, I'm going to quit cussing. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm just stopping. And Chris said, hey, man, let's back up a little bit. That's, a good, that's good. But if that's what you begin to focus on, guess what you're going to be doing more than you probably were before? You're going to be cussing, especially when you get around more church people, you'll cuss more than you've ever cussed. No, he didn't say that before, but that was funny. Uh, But the thing, because what you focus on, I I think it was Eddie was saying, hey, you know, we were talking before church, he said, he was asking me about this great, he said, i never seen it like that, but once I've seen it, I started seeing that everywhere. Why? Because your focus shifts. And if we can shift our focus... It will begin to prioritize other things. Let me give you some examples. If you seek first having a great marriage, everything in your life will get ordered and prioritized around your marriage. If you seek first having a great career, everything in your life will get ordered around your career. If you seek first being secure financially, everything in your life will be prioritized by money and your financial life. If you, uh, if you seek first relief from frustration, guess what? You'll end up giving the things that frustrate you the power to organize your life. If you seek first relief from pain, that pain will be a, become an organizing principle in your life. If you seek first freedom from your past, that past will keep inserting itself into your future. If you seek first controlling your anger, then anger will continue to be a controlling influence in your life. Shift your focus. C.S. Lewis said it last, like this. Put first things first and we get second things thrown in. Put second things first, and we lose both first and second things. We've got to shift our focus. Because what I seek first will prioritize everything else in our life. The second thing you've got to do in all man, I believe this is the most important. Recover your identity. Tyler, if you can come on up for me, man. Just play. I'm not near closing, but when I bring piano player up, it makes them think I am. And they, they relax a little bit. Oh, we're almost there. Re- 
Recover, recover your identity. Best-selling author uh, on spiritual freedom, Neil Anderson, said this. No one, no person can consistently behave in a way that's inconsistent with the way he perceives himself. In other words, you want to break free from that habit, that hurt, whatever it is that's enslaved you? You've got to change what you believe about yourself and how you see yourself. I was reading a post before I come out here. I was scrolling, and, and I don't know who, who's it. I don't, we're friends with them. They may go to church. I didn't recognize them, but they, I don't know. But here's what their, their statements were. I am mentally ill. I am chronically depressed. I am this. And I, she said all that to say, that's why I take medication. I'm like, those first three, as long as that's what you keep saying, I believe in medication. Don't get me wrong. But when you start identifying with what your condition is, that's why one of the things, and, uh, you know, even me and Casey have talked about it. I think me, me and Daniel Casey have talked about that. You know, when they say, hey, I'm so-so, I'm an addict. I, I want to say, no, no, no. Quit identifying. Man, maybe you, you struggle with it. There was a time, but start declaring who God says you are right now. You're free. You're free. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting ahead of myself. I don't want to do that. Identity is crucial. Psychologists tell you this. It is the core of your personality. The way you see yourself is one of the most powerful aspects of who you are. No wonder the enemy is attacking the identity of this generation. Of our children. No wonder he wants. He's working so hard. To get this generation confused about who they are. To where they don't know if they're a boy, a girl, a him, a they. An LGBTQ, whatever. They, in fact, what was meant to supposed to bring clarity. Has confused even more people. Because he knows. If I can get them forget who Christ says they are they'll begin to question everything you know here, uh, one of the things that keeps being said I've heard on TV I've heard on so I'm finally free to be me you don't even know who you are how are you free to be you freedom the ability to act or react in life as the person God created you to be. See, God has not called us to perform. I mean, God is not up in heaven uh, thinking, man, I hope they win a, an award for best religious performance this year. God desperately wants us to discover or rediscover who he made us to be. Three realities that we really have to accept. And it's not easy for us to, to grasp. First one is this. I am more sinful and broken than I care to admit. We don't like to say, talk about that. Especially in the church world, we don't like to say, hey, I'm more sinful and broken than I care to admit. And if you've been around the church world long enough, you've heard this. When the enemy tries to bring up your past, what, is this? what do they tell us to do? 
Remind him of your future. I'm going to tell you something else you ought to do because I think that's great. And you may not have heard this. Maybe just agree with him. Look at Matthew 5, 25, what Jesus says. Agree with your adversary quickly while you're on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge. The judge hand you over to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Agree with your adversary quickly. The ESV says it like this. Come to terms with your accuser. Now, the specific meaning of that uh, is legal disputes. It's try, let's try to reconcile this. But let me give you another meaning. Agree with your adversary. When the enemy comes and says, hey, hey, remember what you did? Remember how you did this? Remember how you did that? Remember who you let down? Remember who you betrayed? Remember the hurt? Maybe you say, you know what? I'm not even going to argue with you. You're right. I did those things. But God has changed me. And that may be who I was, but that is not who I am today. Author Rosaria Butterfield, I love this, says it like this. I have to set the record straight at what fuels my resolve is deep and daily repentance to God. To my accuser, I say, you're right about the depths of my sin. You are far more, more, far more right than you know. I'm guilty of that and so much more. And you're right that God's punishment for what I've done is death. But here's what you do not know. You do not seem to know Romans 6, 3 through 11. Because of my union with Christ, I was put on trial. I was taken into custody. I was spat on, stripped naked. I was thrashed with metal whips by Pontius Pilate. I was tortured. I was crucified. I was castigated to hell. And every time I embrace the means of grace, every time I read the word of God and it convicts me of my sin, every time I respond to God's wisdom and repentance and confession of sin, every time time I worship God, eat his body, drink his blood, I am risen from the tomb and resurrected into the light by the power of Jesus Christ himself. Get this though, who declares to me that there is no condemnation for me any longer because I am clothed in his righteousness by the power of his resurrection. The risen Christ in whom I stand declares to you, Satan, you no longer have claim on me. Yeah, all that's true. Say what you want. Those things are true. But let me remind you, there is no condemnation for those who have went from being a doulos to a son and daughter of God. And guess what? I am that. Man. Praise God. Praise God. Hey, go ahead and stand with me. Maybe it'll make me quicker. The second thing you really need to realize, some of you need to really get this. I am more loved than I can possibly imagine. I don't care what you've been told. I don't care what you've been led to believe. I don't care what opinion. You are more loved than you could possibly imagine. Think about what Jesus did for you. See, Jesus didn't come just to educate our ignorance. Jesus didn't just come to motivate and inspire us. Jesus came to reclaim the sons and daughters of God. Jesus came to restore us to our true identity of who He says we are. And He loves us 
more than we can possibly imagine. That's why Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrates in his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were still in our sin, while we were still battling addiction, while we were still struggling with this, while we were still all, he didn't wait for us to get our act together. But in that, Christ died for us. Listen to me. Clean living, ladies. Others of you, listen to me close. The home you grew up in does not determine your identity. The cards you were dealt in life does not determine your identity. The damage and abuse that was done to you does not determine your identity. The wounds you've experienced in life, the voices, the words, the opinions of people around you, about you, those things do not define your identity. You are defined. You are defined by what he says about you. Your identity is in Christ. And here's what he says about you. You are accepted. You are secure. You are significant. You are loved and forgiven. That's what he says about you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you did before you walked through these doors. That doesn't negate. Let me, I've said this so many times that I'm, I feel the need to say it again. You are not what you've done. You are who he says you are. Some of you, man, you've been put, you're this, you're that, you're, 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 you're a thief, you're a liar, you're an addict, you're a whore, you're a lesbian, you're gay, you're this, you're whatever. And those identities get heaped upon you. But that is not, you are who God says you are. I just believe, guys, if we could learn to embrace who God says we are, we'd begin to walk in the freedom that he set out for us, the life we were meant to live. You weren't meant to be a statistic. Are you hearing me? Listen close. You weren't meant to be a statistic. 